Thank you, Bruce, for uh, reading God's word to us this morning. Last week, we began our summer series called Finding Freedom. This sermon series is designed for us to consider what freedom really is. For those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we know how easy it is to buy into the worldly perspective of freedom rather than the biblical perspective of freedom. The idea of freedom has dominated the world over the last few years, and it has made us question what it means to be free. We've asked, have we lost our freedom, or are we losing our freedom? And we've been concerned that if we are losing our freedom, then how can we protect our freedom? COVID-19 and the lockdowns over the last couple years have meant that we are all well acquainted with how life looks like and how we might feel when our freedoms are taken away. So at the beginning of this new year, we would do well to consider what the Bible has to say about freedom. It will help us better reflect on the events of last year and what's happened, and it will help us prepare for whatever 2022 has in store for us. A biblical perspective of freedom means that we can have confidence in the freedom God says that we have through Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, it's the start of the new year, And I'm wondering whether or not you guys have ever made any silly or crazy New Year's resolutions. What's the craziest New Year's resolution you've ever thought of and thought you're going to achieve this year? I know I've made some crazy ones in my life, and I want to share a few of them with you. The first crazy New Year's Year's resolution I made was after I had my accident, where I almost died. So the next year I decided my New Year's resolution would be not to die. And as you, would, you might know, I achieved that one. I thought, that's a great New Year's resolution, isn't it? Not to die. You either achieve it or you don't. The second New Year's resolution I made was to sing and dance like Hugh Jackman. And if you've seen me dance recently, you would know that I think I have achieved this one as well. Tick. Ella disagrees. <laughs> I think more than just Ella disagrees with that one. My third New Year's Eve resolution was to be useless. I wanted to be the type of person who, when you thought, I need help with something, you would think, oh, no, let's not ask him. He's useless. We can't even be sure whether he'll come through or not. He's not the type of person you can trust to actually achieve what you want. He's useless. That was my New Year's Eve resolution. And the reason I wanted to be this person was because I was feeling busy. I wanted, to, I wanted to be stop being asked to do things so that I could do whatever I wanted to do whenever I wanted to do it. In a way, I just wanted to be free. Free from the expectations of others. Free from commitment. Free from life's restraints. And it probably goes without saying, I don't think I need to say it, that it was not a New Year's resolution that I could achieve. But I think two out of three New Year's resolutions is not bad. I was pretty happy with myself. So the passage today reminds us that there is no freedom to be found in this world apart from the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. 
Let's pray before we look more closely at this passage. Heavenly Father, as we begin this new year, help us to focus on your word. Allow us to have the assurance that we are free through your son, Jesus Christ, who sets us free from our slavery to sin. Give us ears to hear your word today and help us believe it so that we may have confidence in our eternal future with you and be raised up with you on the last day. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, look with me again at John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Well, this section that we're looking at today in chapter 8 begins with Jesus addressing a group of Jews who have believed in him. And the verse before this also says this. In verse 30, it says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. And at this point in the book of John, we see that Jesus is at the Feast of Booths, one of the four great feasts for the Jews. And we see that he comes to the temple and he starts teaching. And throughout chapters 7 and 8 in John, we get this unique account of Jesus' teaching where we see the Jews responding to his teaching. And what we see is that we see the Jews arguing with Jesus. We see the Jews also arguing with themselves. And we see them finally ask Jesus this question, who are you? When we get to 8 verse 25, please read with me John 8 25 and onwards. It says, So they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the thing, things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So we see Jesus explaining who he is to these Jews, and these Jews are responding to him, and they're believing what he is saying. And so what he says in verse 31 and 32 must be music to their ears. Read with me 31 and 32. He says to them, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus says, You are free. The truth has set them free. What a glorious thing to hear. What a great encouragement to those who have believed in Jesus. But before we get too excited, let's look further on. I want you to look with me at verse 43. Read with me what happens after this in verse 43. Jesus says to them, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Wow. 
these same Jews that were told believed in Jesus that are declared to be free are now being told they are from the devil. So what is it, Jesus? Are they free or are they from the devil? And what's more, at the end of this chapter, in verse 59, it actually says that these Jews pick up stones to throw at him. Well, don't we have an exciting passage to look at today? What has gone on between verses 30 and 31 and the end of this chapter? Well, read with me again. After Jesus says to them in verse 31, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Now, you guys might think to yourself, that's a bizarre thing for the Jews to say because they have been enslaved. You guys know your Old Testament. Time and time again in the Old Testament, the Israelites, the Jewish people, have been slaves. They were slaves in Egypt, and then they were freed from their slavery. They were then slaves to the Babylonians, and then they were freed from that slavery as well. And even as they are speaking now, they're not actually truly free. They are under the Roman authority. And even though under this Roman authority, it was more of a political than a religious slavery, they were not completely free. And if you want to get even more technical about it, they are waiting for the Messiah, the anointed king, who was to come and free them and to rule over them forever. That is what they're waiting for. So why did these Jews here in this passage refer to themselves as free when they are clearly in slavery? Well, Jesus not only points out these Jews' hypocrisy, but the hypocrisy of every individual when it comes to our freedom. Look what he says in verse 34. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The response of these Jews, by ignoring their slavery, is a proud response. They were proud and they were arrogant. And as a Jew, the only thing you never did was admit that you were a slave. Their arrogance looks like them justifying their position by saying, history may say we were slaves, but we were not and we are not slaves because we are children of Abraham. And so we have not been enslaved to anyone. These Jews believed that maybe Jesus was who he said he was. Maybe it was possible that Jesus was the Messiah. They believed but they could not accept their enslaved position, that they were the ones that needed saving. They would not accept that they were sinful and that they were slaves to sin. And this is the response that we see now time and time again. The one thing you never admit is that you're a slave to anyone, but we are all 
slaves. When we start to think about our freedom, and when we think about freedom and slavery, human pride displays itself in all its ugly glory. Human pride resists God's rule for our life and convinces us that we are ruler and Lord of our own destiny. We become our own reason and our own experience becomes the measure of truth. And what's the scariest part of this is that oftentimes we don't even realize that it's happening because it just creeps up on us without us even noticing it. None of us like the idea of being a slave. A few weeks ago, I bought myself a new ute. I traded in my old builder's ute for an almost new Hilux. Now, if any of you have upgraded to a new car recently, you will know that some of the safety features of these new cars takes a bit of getting used to. My new Hilux has sensors everywhere, and these are all safety features to prevent me from having an accident. Now, the one that I struggle most with is called Lane Departure Assist. Now, what happens is that as I'm driving along, if I swerve a little bit close to that center line, my car beeps at me and automatically, without me doing anything, moves me back into the center of my lane. I really do not like it, and especially living here in Helensburg, where there's not enough space for cars to be parked on the side and for you to get through before the center lane. So every time I drive up Park Street, my new car beeps at me and swerves me back into the center of my lane. It is a feature that is designed to save me from possible death. If I unknowingly swerve out of my lane into the center and there's another car coming the opposite direction and we have a head-on collision, the collision may be fatal. But you know what? I just don't like it. I think it's a silly system because it stops me from going where I want to go and driving the way I want to drive. And I've only had my car now for about a month. And during that month, there's been time and time again when I've considered turning off this safety feature. I've thought to myself, if I turn it off, that won't be a problem. I've considered turning off something that potentially one day might save my life. Why? Because I do not like the car telling me what I should do or where I should go. Because I love the notion that I'm free to make my own decisions. And this passage, Jesus points out the heart of my problem. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. He points out the problem we all face, and that problem is sin. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And he continues by saying in verse 35, he says, The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And Jesus draws this distinction here between a slave and a son. The classic example of this we actually looked at last week 
which was the offspring of Abraham. As an offspring of Abraham, it either meant that you were the offspring of a slave or an offspring of a son. To be an offspring of um, Abraham, you might have remembered his first son, Ishmael, was born in sin to Hagar, the slave woman. And years later, he had a second son whom God had promised him, that is Isaac, who was born to Sarah. And in Genesis chapter 21, this is what Sarah says to Abraham. She says to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of a slave woman shall not be heirs with my son Isaac. And that's what happens in Genesis 21. The slave woman and her son are dismissed. They are cast out from the home. And in this passage today, Jesus contrasts the example of a slave who does not stay in the house and a son who does remain in the house. And Jesus implies to the Jews, you are in the house at the moment. But if you want to stay in the house, if you want to remain in the house, you have to become a son because it is only the sons that remain in the house. And here, Jesus points out a fundamental flaw in the thinking of the Jews. They are not free because they are offspring of Abraham. They are free because from the offspring of Abraham will come a son a son that will set them free. And this son, who will bring them freedom, is standing right in front of them. He has not come to free them from their, the Roman authorities. He has come to free them from their slavery to sin. So Jesus is not speaking into their physical status in this world. He's speaking into their spiritual relationship with God. And so we see this tension here for the Jews who are actually becoming convinced that Jesus might be the person who he says he is. They are believing that he may be the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one who's going to rule over them as king. But they do not believe that he is the one who is going to free them from slavery to sin because they don't need someone to come to free them from slavery to sin. They do not need saving. They want him to make Israel great. They want him to make a great nation so that others might envy them. But they fail to recognize their spiritual hard-heartedness and failure before God. A true disciple is one who is set free from their old laws, their old ways, their old traditions they are in, that are enslaving them. A true disciple of Jesus is one who abides in his word, who knows the truth and knows that it is only through Jesus Christ that they can be freed from their sin. These Jews who are the offspring of Abraham are in the house, but they are in the house as slaves, not as sons. And if they want to remain in the house, they must become a son. And that sonship is found in Jesus Christ, God's only son. The only way to freedom is through this son.
And so this is the truth. It's the truth that sets us free. We are released from bondage of sin by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Regardless of where the world says we might be or we might find freedom, we will always be in slavery to sin. If we acknowledge, if we fail to acknowledge that this is the truth. Now I'd like to finish with two applications from this passage. The first application is that we must realize that we can become desensitized to our sin. Even though we call ourselves Christians, we can forget how sin affects us and our relationship with God. And so we must be willing to accept that everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now, last week, Steve used an example of a frog who fell into a pail of milk. And paddling hard enough, the frog turned the milk into butter and was able to jump out. Well, I've got a different example using a frog. In this example, the frog is put into a beaker of water, and the water is slowly heated. Poor frogs. They don't seem to be having a good time in these sermon, in the sermon series. Um, As the water is slowly heated, the frog does not try to escape because it is desensitized to the slow water that's being heated. The frog does not try and escape. And as the water rises, so does the body temperature of the frog. And so eventually the frog is boiled to death. And like the frog, we too can easily adjust to the temperature and temperament of our culture. And as a result, we too become desensitized to our sin and justify how and why we are not enslaved by sin and take our culture's beliefs and moral truths for ourselves. And you may wonder why it is that people slowly drift away from the church? Is it because they no longer see the need for a savior? Is it that the truth found in the Bible is no longer relevant for their life? The cultural temperature of the world around them tells them that they are free apart from Christ. And what this passage reminds us today is that we are all slaves to sin and we all need Jesus and he is the only way that we can find Freedom. The second application is hopefully an encouragement for us when we wonder if we are truly free because we cannot stop sinning. You might know somebody who has turned away from God because it just seems too difficult, and so they've given up on their faith because of the guilt that they face and they find because of their sin. They may not tell you that, but we might know people who we believe that's the reason why they've turned away. It's all just too much. And maybe this is what you're struggling with as well. Maybe you too know how it feels. And maybe you question if Christ's freedom that we have is really all it's cracked up to be. How can we know we are free when Christianity at times can feel like enslavement. Well, I hope this passage reminds us 
that Jesus does not say we are slaves to sin to condemn us, but so that we might see him as the only source of our freedom. In John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, John reminds us that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Sin is a sign that we are choosing worldly things over heavenly things. That is true. Ultimately, our sin is against God. That is true. And as a result, we are unfit to be in God's presence. We are unrighteous before God. We are insensitive to God's word, and we become subject of God's wrath. That is true. But if we stop there, when we focus only on our sins and the struggles we have, we forget the lengths that God has gone and God has taken we forget the mercy and grace that he affords us. And he has done it through his son who sets us free. So while we might find living up to his standards of sinlessness difficult, we must remember that Jesus does not say we are slaves to sin in order to condemn us. He says that we might know real freedom, freedom which ultimately is fulfilled when he returns and takes us home up into heaven. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If you find yourself doubting freedom, turn to him. What better time than at the beginning of this new year to come to him and realize his truth has set you free. Jesus is the only source of our salvation, and if you believe in him, he will set you free from slavery and the burden of your sin. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So let's finish off today by listening to some of the words in the book of John that help us understand this truth. Let us make abiding in the word of God our New Year's resolution for 2022. I'm going to start with John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of of God. Chapter 1, verse 29 says, The next day he, this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. In chapter 6, verse 35, sorry, 6, verse 35, it says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not, never thirst. 
in 653, it says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. 737 says this, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Spirit scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And in 8 verse 12, it says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And in 8.31, it says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now I'm going to ask the musicians to come up. And as they're coming up, I'm going to close in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we begin this new year, help us to abide in your word. Help us to be assured of the freedom we have through your Son, who has paid the price so that we can be called your children. Show us how to grow in love for you more and more this year. In your name we pray. Amen.